Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con. I am Ryan, coming to through to you on Zoom with Brad. Hey. Zach. Hello. And Corinne. Greetings. And every week we see a new movie and we podcast our experience to the world. And this week we saw Jiu-Jitsu. Um, stay tuned to the end of the show where we'll tell you if you'd see the film or not, play the trailer, and then spoil the film. We also talk about movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, movie news, films we've been watching throughout the week. And also, every once in a while, we get to talk about films that people on this podcast make about beer and karate or whatever form of martial arts. Brad, uh, tell we, us. We invented Hopskeeto. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Tell us about uh, your film that people can start watching next week. Uh, no, it's it's right now. Oh, is it right now? I thought. Oh, is it till the next week they can watch it? Yeah, from today, which is the thirtieth uh, through December sixth, you can watch it on a really complicated address. So um, let's see how I can condense this so people it's, tell them uh, to go to our. Isn't it on our Twitter feed? Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I might have posted it there. Uh, yeah, yeah, post I'll, it on our Twitter feed and then pin it to the top. Yeah, just check our Twitter feed. You can yeah find it there. That's that's, that's, that's the way to go. A, we should make a tiny link for it or whatever that a bit URL. That's the ticket. That what? Yeah. How do you do that? You just go to a bit URL site, put your big link in, and it pops out a little link. Thanks, Gen Z. Yeah, that's how I did it. With, that, that's how I was able to keep promoting Leather Brown was because we just kept putting that. I kept putting that big link into a little link. And that way I could make a bigger post. But Brad, so, uh, your your film is, this is one people can vote on, right? To move you to the best of? Yeah, we need people to vote on it because uh, there's two rounds of voting. Um, and there's 90 films we're competing against. So, Holy it, shankies. Yeah, it's, it's a worldwide 48-hour, well, not 48-hour, but worldwide weekend competition um, instead of the normal local Colorado one. So, yeah. We, we definitely need people to, I mean, you have to pay eight bucks to vote and watch it uh, at least, but, um, but can you watch all of the other films though? You can, you can pay uh, 25 bucks for the whole, there's, there's six groups. Um, uh, the 90 films are separated into six groups and you can watch all of them with that screening pass for 25 bucks. That's which, not bad. Yeah. Which I bought. And so I'm going to do a, 
a screening here one of these nights this week. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm so excited. You're saying, so you're saying I got to get excited over another election? Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, even if we do make it past the first round, then we got to go to the next round, which I don't know how many films that's going to be in it. But, um, yeah, it's, it's for audience choice. So, yeah. Well, you know what? It's pretty it's cool. Worth eight, it's worth eight bucks. I'll do it. Choose The Legend of Drunken Brewmaster if you can. <laughs> I would love a poster What's with the name you of pointing. This, uh, <laughs> festival, Brad. What's the easiest way people can find? What's the name of the festival? It's the Four Points Film Project. Cool. Um, yeah, so like search the, Four Points Film Project and then vote for Brad's film. Yeah, the word for, not the number. Well, the the count the, <laughs> not the F O R but F O U R word, Four Points Film Project. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm excited for people to see it. And you also made a film, uh, your annual Black Friday film, right? Yeah, with Zach. Yep, I uh, I got I got to get co-director credit this time. <laughs> um, but yeah, we. It must not um, be that good because Brad doesn't want his name on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what? I'm I, I'm the co-director, so he's got his name with me. So, I mean, um, you don't want to take it all the credit, is what I'm saying. Hmm. <laughs> mm. I, I, yeah, it's it's not good enough that I can just claim it entirely. So yeah, you know, he has to share the blame with somebody. Yeah, um, yep. but yeah, no, this this year was interesting because um, we didn't feel comfortable trying to go around filming the Best Buy again like we had the last two years. So I think it was a great um, idea to like bother commerce that's already kind of on the edge. So yeah, yeah, it, it and. The last thing we want to do is, you know, ruin whatever chance they have of being successful with their whatever sale they're going to do. So, which I don't think we'd truly be interrupting it, but still not smart. So instead, we just filmed something at my house. <laughs> right on. Yeah. yeah. It's almost done. So maybe next week you'll get to see it. Yeah. Cool. And Brad, you're going to take us around town too? Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Hey, film buddies. Follow me around Denver. Actually, really just up north to the 88 Drive-In, where they are playing Elf, A Christmas Story, and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation through December 3rd. So check that out. Ryan, Ryan, is A Christmas Story something that's uh, prevalent in your life? I guess this uh, this also goes for Brad and Corinne as well. uh, No. I mean, it's, it's what it is. I mean, it's fun, but it's not, I'm not crazy about it like some people are. Okay. My, 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 my dad's really into it, so we watched it a lot growing up. I don't think I've ever seen it in its entirety. Like, I either see it on TV at the beginning and then go somewhere, or I come from somewhere and then catch the end of it. It's super episodic, so it kind of doesn't matter where you drop. All you have to know is the kid wants a BB gun. That's literally the only thing you need to know. Apart yeah. from that, you could pick up it, you pick it up anywhere. It's like literally vignettes about being a child in the 30s. <laughs> like, which means I should love it, but <laughs> for whatever reason, it's not, it's like, it's one I enjoy for a family reason, but like, if I'm looking at, like, I'm not going to actively watch it on my own. So yeah, I watched part of it. So I'll get yeah. to that later. Sweet. And yeah, that's what's going on around, on around town. Cool. News in the movie industry is a segment we call real news. It's real news. Alrighty. Um, 
So this isn't a, any real huge confirmation, but it looks like Warner Brothers is negotiating for uh, uh, Godzilla versus Kong to be a streaming release. Um, it's been reported by the Hollywood Reporter that Netflix made an offer of $200 million, but Warner Media is looking to take it on over to HBO Max, which seems like the more likely route, given the fact that it's the Warner Brothers movie. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, this is kind of some news we're going to be seeing even more of down the line. So this is, uh, I honestly wasn't sure how well Godzilla versus Kong was going to do in the theater period. Cause I don't know how many people really went to King of the Monsters last year, apart from us. So, well, I mean, I think it's an event film and I, I think it'd be pretty big. And I think it's a movie that probably would play better in a theater. Oh yeah. Um, like I would want to see that in the theater. Like that's one I would actively want to go to. In the and theater. it doesn't come out for like six and a half months. I would, um, if I was Warner brothers, I would wait as long as I can to see how the vaccine and everything's going to shake out. You know what I mean? But yeah. Oh yeah. I don't have 200, $400 million on the line. So who cares what I think? No, that's true. You only have about a hundred million on the line. That's, that's true. <laughs> I, I do have um, an executive producer title on this because I put up so much money. <laughs> yeah, I just don't think that they want to get into the situation like they were in with Tenet, where like the, it just kept getting pushed back and pushed back, and so they had to keep altering the market or like the all the stuff, you know, like the trailers and everything. So mm-hmm. yeah. I could definitely see where it's like, you know, we're just throwing good money after bad. So we're either going to release it on this date for sure, or it's not going to. It's just going to go straight to streaming. It's, it's yeah, been I mean, like I said, I think at this point, I I would if I were the movie studios, cause there's no big movies besides wonder woman in December. Um, I would totally hang out to see if the vaccine's actually going to release in December and see how it plays out because who knows by May with hopefully everything will be somewhat normal where we can go to movie theaters. I mean, we probably still have to go with the mask until it's gone, you know, way down, but we'll see. You, you know, in the meantime, Warner Brothers can do a teaser trailer for the vaccine itself and get people psyched for it, you know? Yes. <laughs> Big movies are back because of the shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I was on a call today and uh, the epidemiologist was saying that the earliest the general population is going to get it will be May. So we'll see. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a moving needle anyways because mm-hmm. um you know th- rightfully so I think someone like my wife and vulnerable people should get it. For those who don't know my wife is a nurse and she has to deal with it almost every day. Yep. So I feel better if she got it so she doesn't actually get it, you know what I mean? Um yep. so and then take care of the most vulnerable elderly people and people with pre-existing conditions and Yeah. Absolutely. Um but yeah, so anyway, um, the, law, the, the moral of the story is, until we get a vaccine, wear a fucking mask. Um, and we'll move on. Um, this is news that's um, prevalent only to Henry and possibly me. Um, Netflix is giving David Lynch the green light to do a series with them. So, cool. The uh, show will be called Wisteria, and that's all we really know about it. Um, I honestly bring this up because I found it fascinating that Lynch hasn't gone to them already. Cause it seems like given how much they throw money at creatives like him, that it would have been like an obvious go-to choice, but um, cause he worked with Showtime on 
the Twin Peaks revival, but it seems like he had some trouble with Showtime over that series anyway. So maybe this is why he's going over to Netflix and not sticking with another streamer. Anyway, there you go, Henry. You can get excited. Um, so there's been some uh, report about this, the new Scream movie that we're going to get, which is just called Scream um, or Scream 5. or it, Guys, it's just another Scream movie. Um, but it appears that unlike the 2018 Halloween reboot, this uh, reboot cool or whatever is going to directly reference the first four uh, Scream movies. So it's basically just Scream 5, guys. They're just not calling it Scream 5. I'm surprised, um, like, the S isn't going to be a five. It's, it seems like but, but you should have done that. I guess more of like an early 2000s style of making movies. So it might but, look like five cream, though? Yeah. <laughs> but, but Ryan, like... We're we're in the middle of a pandemic. The world's upside down, topsy turvy. Anyway, why can't we have a little bit of two thousand retro feel for this right now? Like, why wouldn't they just call it Screams and make the S look like a five? That's that's mm. what we were just. Oh oh, Screams. I meant the second S. Oh, gotcha, like gotcha, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. No, that. Uh, well, no, that because be Screams isn't the title of the film. I think that's probably why like, Scream is. Screams would be like, what the fuck is that? I guess it'd be like aliens. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just going to go out on a limb here, considering I've never seen the Scream movies, but I'm going to imagine that more than one scream is uttered during the films, right? Yeah, you should watch okay. Scream. It's good. Corinne, you'd like Scream. I don't know if you'd like Scream 2 or 3, but you'd like Scream. Um, all right, and Scream 4. Um but uh, I was going to say they should just call it Scream 5, Never Gonna Stop Screaming. screaming. Why not? Like, I mean, let's just, let's just make the title goofy. It's a sequel. We're in the fives now. Does Jamie, did Jamie Kennedy, when he died in two, when he made that, you know how he made the Stop, spoilers. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. Corinne's not going to watch these movies. When he dies in two, and then he has that video in Talk three. Talk about our listeners, he, Zach. Oh, oh okay. Uh, sorry, listeners, if you are born after <laughs> <six>. <laughs> I'm, what I was going to say is, is like, do you think he has another videotape stashed away where he's like, so you find yourself in the middle of a reboot? <laughs> like, that's all I want to know. If, if Jamie that'd Kennedy, be sweet. Actually, that'd be a funny thing to have in the movie. Yeah, but they need to, I mean, it, they need to not reveal it. So guys, like if, if, if the screenwriters are listening out there and they want to add this in, that's cool. Just don't tell me until the movie comes out. I want to be surprised and also validated. Um, um, moving on. Um, so we got a trailer on Wednesday that apparently set the internet on fire for like a hot minute. It was a very controversial trailer, um, um, controversial in, in my opinion, uh, to uh, very unstable individuals because um, we got a trailer for Clifford the Big Red Dog. It's not much of a teaser. Shows a lot of little dogs uh, looking cute, but then all know what's this? This dog's pretty big. And he's also an interesting shade of red. And then they zoom out. And it's just a regular looking dog who's red. And um, yeah, and that's how they introduced Clifford the Big Red Dog. The movie's coming out from Paramount Pictures. Uh, and the response to this teaser has been met with disbelief, disillusionment, and uh, uh, the cries of an insane public during a pandemic. Because I have never seen so much whining and complaining as I have seen over the Clifford the Big Red Dog trailer. 
Wait, uh, what are people complaining um, about? They're, they're, because the dog looks so regular and normal, he doesn't look like a cartoon. It's similar, mm. Ryan, to how people were angry over the way Sonic the Hedgehog looked for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Now, I will give the Sonic people a bone because, yes, that is a weird look that they gave him initially. And I'm, I guess, in, in retrospect, yes, I'm happy that they corrected it. It didn't change my opinion of the movie. Um, but the Clifford the Big Red Dog teaser, I mean, it's a dog. Like, it, I mean, if you want to make a cartoon Clifford, you can make the cartoon Clifford and make it 2D or 3D animation or whatever. If you're going to make a live action one, yeah, they're going to follow that Marmaduke model with the Owen Wilson movie where they're just going to, you know, make it a dog who's red. So I don't, I, I also don't know why people are surprised that Paramount Pictures is doing this because they haven't been able to get an IP right for the last three years. So... <laughs> <laughs> it should uh, just do like what they did with the P- new Peanuts movie and just make it like 3D I, animation that's I, like 2D. Well, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I agree. I absolutely agree, Corinne, because it's a, it's a children's book that where the illustrations were your big draw as a child. And there's a PBS cartoon that I remember being very successful. So my question is, why, why did Paramount decided to do this way? But then my follow-up question is, why was the internet surprised that this was going to happen? <laughs> also, you said this was like the biggest, like most complaints you've ever seen on the internet. I just, um, I, do you remember like the whole controversy about like anytime Batman has been cast? Okay. Let, let me rephrase non Batman related controversies. <laughs> <laughs> because that's a, that's a legacy career that goes back since before I was born when Michael Keaton was going to be cast and everybody said, Mr. Mom can't be Batman. And they were fucking wrong. <laughs> um, you know, the only one I can't remember is I don't think people really cared about Christian Bale. Brad, do you remember people upset about Christian Bale? No, because they they pushed for him. Um, yeah, I like, mean, I remember they hated that Heath Ledger was cast as a Joker. Oh yeah, yeah, that um, was a that was a big old. You know, I subscribed uh, to Wizard at the time. Remember Wizard, the magazine? Um, <laughs> uh, they had a whole article about. Uh, if he was right for the Joker. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Uh, I was part of the camp of like, well, nobody can beat Jack Nicholson's Joker. And then I was proven wrong when I finally watched Batman Begins. <laughs> so, and then you rewatch 89 Batman, you go, mm, he's okay. Yeah, like this is the thing. I appreciate Batman 89 on a different level now, but when I saw Batman Begins and then got very excited at that, you know, the, where he's just like, uh, he gave us, a, here's his calling card, and he's like, oh, look into it. I'm like, oh, I'm very excited. And Heath Ledger's also a good actor, because if you watch Brokeback Mountain, you'd notice that he's a great actor, and he can probably inhabit whatever role he's given. Um, uh, yeah, he'd be really everybody. good at a zombie now. Oof, oof. Is it too, is it too soon? No, it's been, what, 12, 12 years? years? It's been, I've been retired for 12 years from making those jokes. Um, so yeah, no. Um, long story short, go guys. Clifford the Big Red Dog. Um, it made a lot of people on the internet cry, and I don't understand why. Um, and then the last big piece of news is we had a death, another Star Wars death. Uh, David Prowse, um, who was the actor who did the physical work of playing Darth Vader in the original Star Wars trilogy, passed away at the age of eighty-five. Um, yeah, um, uh, arguably. Prowse has a lot to contribute to that performance because he's on screen. <laughs> um, oh, I think I think the menacing uh, p- 
posture and his imposing figure definitely did. Oh, oh yeah. I know, like, the part where, like, Darth Vader would always put, like, his hands on his hips, like, right on his belt. I know that that was something that he specifically brought to the role because of his time in, like, bodybuilding and things like that. Yeah. And, um, I mean, like, even if you watch, like, if you turn the sound off and just watch watch his physical performance on uh, A New Hope when he's uh, interrogating Leia and then trying, like, trying to find where the dro- where the plans are, like, he's scary as shit, even without James Earl Jones' voice. Um, now, his if you watch the audio with his voice, it's clear that they <laughs> needed to change that voice. Um, but Prowse was not just uh, Darth Vader. He also played... Um, uh, the Frankenstein monster in horror of Frankenstein in 1970. And then Frankenstein and the monster from hell in 1974. Um, he was also a bearded torturer in carry on Henry, the in Henry the eighth in 1971. And as an executioner in a movie called the people that time forgot in 1977. Um, and he also popped up in small little areas in the Beverly Hillbillies, Dr. Who the saint, um, and, uh, so yeah, he, he had, he had an eclectic little career going on in the 60s, 70s and 80s. So, um, and, uh, I didn't know this. Apparently he had a, he had a small hand in getting Christopher Reeves, um, in the role of Superman. So that's pretty neat. Um, so yeah, but 85, um, thank you, David Prowse for all the things you brought mm-hmm. to a wonderful galaxy far, far away. Amen. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and now we can. And now we can eat Star Wars Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I just, I gotta say, like when I heard that news, I was so, I, and I'm still just terrified that something's gonna happen to James Earl Jones because I'm like, oh no, <laughs> like I can't lose both my Darth Vader's. I think this I, I, year, like well, fuck 2020. It, it would be interesting because then that would make Coming to America his last movie because I believe he's in it. Well, I mean, I know he's like ancient he's like 90 i think so oh he's oh he's immortal the only thing that could kill him is covid that's why we've got to protect him yeah otherwise he's immortal him and maggie smith like just nothing happened to either of those two during 2020 i have to imagine maggie smith would chase away corona with a broom because that's just how i picture maggie smith doing that no 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 no. she would she would sass covid so oh. much it wouldn't even get within ten feet of her. Oh, 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 you know what? I think you and Ryan would agree with me on this. With Harry Potter knowledge, um, she would scold the virus like very harshly in the middle of a classroom full of other wizard children. <laughs> I'm surprised that uh, Ryan didn't accuse her of like throwing tea on it. <laughs> uh, no, because uh, I like her and stuff. I don't recognize her in Downton Abbey. <laughs> She's excellent in that show. She's I'm sure she is. You know, in a, drinking in a tea and shit. Very that is an <laughs> excellent cast, but she is undoubtedly the best I think her performance is the best out of everybody. I'm sorry. What about Paddington dad Hugh Bonneville? Is he good? Uh, his character's kind of a terrible person sometimes. So, so it's he, hard did. To root for he him. added sugar to his tea and you don't do that. <laughs> No, he like gambled the family fortune on a railway thing. Oh, right. that was he, delivering tea. And he and he like <laughs> cheated on his wife. He's kind of a with a tea baron. <laughs> no, with one of the maids. Jeez, Ryan, just no, watch no. the show if you're gonna make jokes about it. No, no, Ryan, he he tre- cheated on his wife while drinking tea. <laughs> totally. <laughs> What a jerk. Because that's <laughs> the only way people are, are 
British people are allowed to be unfaithful is if they're drinking tea. Or if they're at a cricket match. (laughs) Why do you think they love tea so much? (laughs) I want Ryan to go to the UN and talk about why we should have an embargo on Downton Abbey. (laughs) Oh, BBC product. (laughs) Um, I'm pretty sure it's like co-made with PBS and that's why they get to air it over here. So yeah. Uh, it's I've, I think it's a co-American production so I've still got I've still got the first I've got the first two seasons I still need to sit down and finally watch uh, Downton so watch it watch my it gra- my grandmother loves that show that's why I'm probably going to put it on the front of my TV watching list because my grandmother rocks first season's anyway. great and the second season's even better and then after that it's kind of like meh it's okay um but anyway yeah that's news Movies come out. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Okay. <laughs> Not like on Blu-ray or anything. No, no they just come out. You guys are really great closet. interrupting me, so I'm just going to make it really short now. <laughs> uh, this just in off the wire. Uh, this new Blu-ray hey, except coming for out. Brad. Brad, thank you for listening intently to everything I have to say. Absolutely, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> It's just off the wire, a new Blu-ray coming out called Ryan Drinks Tea. Um, It's a British film uh, designed specifically to annoy Ryan. Um, But in actual news, um, Popeye already came out on Blu-ray, right? The Robin Williams version? I don't think so. Well, then this might be the first time. It's the 40th anniversary. Uh, So you can pick up Popeye uh, with Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall. That movie's pretty adorable. Um, It's uh, weird as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, but like it's it's weird because I didn't like it as a kid, but if you watch it within the context of it, just him Robert Altman trying to make a cartoon movie, he kind of succeeds. It's not great; he just kind of succeeds. Um, but anyway, uh, I think the big release, which you may want to wait on because I think we'll get a better version of it down the line, is the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogies are coming to four K. Um, there's some yeah, they, already, books. they already announced uh, next summer they're going to have uh, the special features and new special features for it. Yeah, so um, you might want to wait on that. But if you can't wait or you're an extreme collector, um, you can get uh, two different versions of it in standard. And then you can also get some nice steel books. Uh, so that there you go. There's your options for that. Um, also on 4K is Beverly Hills Cop. Which seems like that should have happened a while back, but uh, uh, better late than never. Um, where, where, where's the bananas at? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just thinking of Clerks the cartoon. Billy, I need your help. All right, Axel. <laughs> um, and then uh, speaking of Eddie Murphy, we also have a 4K of Coming to America um, coming out this week. Uh, tying in nicely with the eventual March release of Coming to America. See, there's a two in the middle guys um also uh, yeah I, this definitely is the first time for this you can get the uh blade in 4k um so that's pretty neat um and then let's see uh i think the one that ryan definitely has coming and one that i need to still order is the bugs bunny 80th anniversary collector set um and you can get uh and the best part is i get a funko pop keychain with it and not only that ryan i believe it's glittery or sparkly or something? Oh, dude, you didn't even tell me that part. 
Yeah, well, that's, that's I mean, that's, some people might say it's the 40 cartoons that haven't been released on home video, but I'm going to go with freaking the sparkly Bugs Bunny Funko Pop. We, well, let, let's be honest. They're all going to toss their Blu-rays in the garbage and just take the Funko Pop. That's why they're <laughs> paying $100. No, you're buying it because you're getting nice remastered cartoons that have taken forever to get out to us. And I'm I, was, just, I was reading... Uh, a review of it and they also have i think uh 12 bonus cartoons from the new looney tunes yep and they also have a new documentary on uh, bugs bunny i believe so yeah um, so yeah yep so yeah Can't go uh, wrong. please pick it up because again if we keep buying looney tunes things they'll give me the daffy duck 101 that i want and i, I want know. that guy every day every day yeah, I know. I Ryan, Ryan, here, here's, here's the thing, guys. If I don't get it, I'll keep texting Ryan about it, and then Ryan will go insane. So you don't want Ryan to go insane, right? <laughs> I'm pretty sure he already is. Ryan, I'm not silly. I just don't give a darn. <laughs> that, that, that was my uh, Daffy Duck. I'm glad Zach, who's the only one who picked up on Crazy yep. Daffy Duck. Yep. I knew what you Ryan. were doing. Yeah, not, not only that, Ryan, here, I'll get nerdy for a second. Ryan, you were totally doing early Daffy Duck when Bob Clampett and then Robert McKimpson and Todd Savory were all doing that character at the same time. Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually true because I, I, can't do, I can't do Mel Blanc. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. It's uh, Mel could do wacky Daffy, but he really comes into his form with regular da- like straight man Daffy for both. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Like I, I'm not the I, like Chuck Jones is like number two for me compared to Bob Clampett, but I will always readily admit that Chuck Jones has the best written cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anyway, uh, you're also getting uh, Paramount Classics is putting out Trading Places and The Golden Child. Um, hey, hey, remember Trading Places where Jamie Lee Curtis gets naked? <laughs> yep. Hey, you remember in Trading Places where Don Amici and Ralph Bellamy are in a movie with Eddie Murphy, and I like it a lot. I, I think the movie's pretty funny. I can't. I, I haven't seen it in a long time, but it seems like it's the Eddie Murphy movie that we all acknowledge is great, but we don't rewatch it constantly. Um, yeah, which yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that. So I need to go back to it. Um, and I like Jamie Lee Curtis, obviously. The oh, Golden yeah, she's Child. Great in the movie. Yeah, The Golden Child. I've only seen once, and I do not remember a frame of that movie. Uh, but uh, maybe I will uh, rectify that. Who knows? Um, there's also a steelbook coming out for a 4K release of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That looks pretty neat. Steelbook looks awesome. Um, and then we are getting the original TV series of Mission Impossible coming to Blu-ray for the first time. Um, or you can go down the Ryan route and James route and just watch the movies. Um, I don't know. Have you watched the series, Brian? I'm sorry. What series? Uh, Mission Impossible, the original uh, TV series. Uh a long time ago, I've been, I couldn't tell you a single episode about it. I used to watch that stuff with my grandpa all the time. The only thing I know about it is that Martin Lando was on it. That's the only thing I remember about it. And Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, that's true. Um, anywho, um, there's also a steelbook of Leon the Professional. Uh, you can get that if you'd like. Uh, there's a really interesting steelbook of Chernobyl in 4K. Um uh, that yeah, I still haven't seen Chernobyl, but this artwork is freaking dark, <laughs> so I'm down. Um, and uh, let's see, there's it also looks like there's a Steelbook of Arrival. I think just this week is Steelbook Week, it would appear. So um, I'll find something non-Steelbook. Hey, how about Perry Mason season one? Uh, 
I, 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 Ryan, have you watched Perry Mason? No, but it's produced by Robert Downey Jr., so I that's, might. That's why I asked if you had, had seen it yet. Um, and we'll go over to the specialty labels then. Uh, Keita Lorber is putting out a movie called Attack from 1956 with Jack Palance and Eddie Albert. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to watch Attack, you can get that. Um, Jack you can also- Palance? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just every time I hear about Jack Palance, I just remember about a bet that I won with my friend Jerry, and f- because I won, he had to buy me the uh, DVD copy of Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. <laughs> For whatever reason, he thought Jack Palance was in that movie, and I'm like, no, 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 he's not in it, and he didn't believe me, so he's like, I'll bet you, and I'm like, okay, but you're gonna lose. So that's why I have. Uh, that movie on my shelf is because Jack Palance, so thanks to him. <laughs> he was not in that movie. Um, Ryan, did the Top Gun 4K Steelbook already come out? This feels like it should have already come out. No, it didn't, because when they first made it, uh, fun fact, is they put the wrong jet on it. It wasn't the F-14, so they had to redesign the Steelbook, and that's why there was a delay on it. Those fucking monsters. <laughs> <laughs> like, that actually seems like the dumb you own the movie how do you not know what's in the movie <laughs> I don't get it <laughs> yeah people are not paying attention I'm, I'm just going to assume that everybody's dumb except for me on that one <laughs> anyway uh, and then Criterion is putting out Crash from 1996 this is not um, the um, terrible Crash that won Best Picture this is a movie called Crash by David Cronenberg and it's about two people who get off and have sex after car crashes. Uh, so if you want that in your life, go ahead and get it. Um, it's, it's an interesting movie. Uh, I would probably not want to own it. Um, and yeah, that's news. Uh, I mean, that's movies, but cool. Um, we watch films throughout the week. We call it what we've been watching. So uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what'd you watch this week? Uh, not a lot. Just a uh, first off, I watched The Last Starfighter, uh, which came out uh, on Arrow in a special edition. And I'd never seen it before, uh, but pop culture had made me think it was going to be awesome, and it really wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I watched you- that movie when I was a kid because my dad really liked it. And I I don't know. Like, I think I see what you're talking about because it isn't really... Compared to Star Wars, it's kind of lame. But I think it kind of has, like, a certain charm to it. No one talks about the CGI in it. This is, like, 86, I think. Yep. Um, Yeah, there's, like, PlayStation level... Like, PlayStation 1 level cutscenes for a lot of the the spaceship flying around uh, in the movie. And it's... uh, yeah, no one seems to ever include that in the early CGI uh, discussion. It's interesting that Nick Castle was kind of in a, in a weird forefront of trying to do special effects movies that were way too ambitious for the years they were made. Because um, yeah. like he does this and um, the uh, radio flyer, like he, 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 he does some little like tricks with, with special effects that are interesting. I guess he learned a lot from Escape from New York. I mean, if it's 1986, like, you know, and all you've really seen is Tron and Star Trek II for CGI, uh, yeah, it's way impressive. Oh, and actually, it's 1984. 
but, oh, but still, oh. but that, that makes it even more impressive. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, that was kind of, I mean, it, it doesn't make the movie better, but I mean, it, it was probably it impressed the hell out of people in 84. Um, but yeah, the story is just not kind of what I expected. I mean, I, I'm not sure I should expect anything out of a movie I haven't seen, but um you know the, the clerk's animated show i that's a kind of a parody of it i'd say is more entertaining than you know the, the fact that he's recruited by the the you know this agency um for his video game playing skills is actually quite like a small piece of the movie um right i thought it'd be you know the biggest part of it you know there's there's no after he gets recruited uh into you know the special agency and then goes into space to fight you know this horde of uh creatures that are attacking um he spends so much time trying to not be the hero and he he displays no like no confirmation of like why he he was so good at the game like like he wasn't even that good at the game he he got the high score after someone else had already got the high score in that unit. So it, it was a fluke. Um, so yeah, it, it, he, after he gets up there, he, he waffles around and tries to get out of uh, being the last starfighter. And then um, I missed the part where I guess the other starfighters got eradicated. <laughs> like I looked away for a second and came back and suddenly he is the last starfighter. Um, and then the, the, the evil man from OCP and RoboCop is the guy under the makeup for the, the alien helping him. Um, yeah. And then meanwhile, there's this side story of they clone him so that he has a clone on earth while he's away and it interacts with his girlfriend. And I'm just like, the story doesn't need this at all. Like she could just not, She'd just be waiting for him to come back. Like I don't know why they needed to see him with this like this creepy clone. Um, it's horrible. It'd be awesome if they added Weird Al Yankovic's "I Think I'm a Clone Now" while it happened. Then it totally right? be worth it. <laughs> and I had to wait like seven more years <laughs> for that song. But yeah, uh, like they even show the clone growing um, like under the covers of his bed is just like <laughs> this creepy prosthetic, <laughs> un, like un unfully grown clone. Um, yeah, I just thought it'd be cooler. It isn't, but what can you do? Um, yeah, and then the uh, the the really awesome thing I watched finally is all of the Mandalorian. Nice. Wait, so you're all caught up? Yeah, I binged that shit. Yeah, it's so good, isn't it? Yeah, like um, the amazing thing I think is that the stories individually aren't that special. Like they're mostly episodes from other sci-fi shows I've seen before. Um, but some there's like, there's something about it, how so stripped down it is that it's, it's done. You know, they don't have characters saying like explaining everything that's going on through dialogue. Like they actually let this show breathe and like let this silent character, like just through his actions, um, you know, be the show. Uh, yeah, and like I think my favorite part is the, actually the credits, like the Ralph McQuarrie style credit art. 
Oh yeah, it's beautiful. awesome. That recaps the show. Like wow, like and for, the song's awesome too. Yeah, I mean it's in almost every episode. Yeah, like that that theme is great. And I'm just like, this is the Star Wars like we've been like the the grown up more mature Star Wars we've been waiting for for the past twenty years. Um, and uh, God, I I wish I could go into spoiler territory, but. Um, yeah, don't like Corinne does. I'd appreciate it. I'm like I was one episode to, back. So. Um, I'll just say that I'm so delighted as a fan of the books in the 90s that they are being embraced. <laughs> so as evidenced by this last episode. So I'm super excited. And yeah, it's just... It's, Wait, have you not watched Rebels? I haven't watched the Clone Wars or the Rebels. Okay, you should anything. probably yeah, you should probably do that. I watched a little bit of Clone Wars um, before Force Awakens came out, and I actually was surprised how much I liked it. Um, I haven't seen Rebels yet, though. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's good. I think the thing you're referring to in your comment about the books, you will want to check out Rebels season three. Okay. So I haven't seen all of Rebels. I've seen like clips and a couple of episodes, but I really want to watch it now because I'm like, <gasps> I, I it's, think, all, it's all connected. <laughs> I think at some point I heard that that made it into an animated version, but I'm I'm really excited. You know, after you know the 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 sky the recent Skywalker trilogy, you know, eradicated that that storyline, so. Um, I'm excited to see it come back into the canon. So I, I assume the Mandalorian's canon. Yes. So, yeah. mm. so it all kind of ties in with like everything from Rebels and Clone Wars because a lot of the characters that have made recent appearances appear in those properties as well. Yeah, I imagine that the 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 two characters from those stories that are the same ish <laughs> um, probably won't be included, but um, you know, there's, there's other stuff going on in that, that line of books that it'll be cool to see play out. Um, yeah. So Mandalorian, I mean, so cool. Like just so simple, so cool. And it's like not even that long. Um, like less than a day I can watch. I got caught up. So, yeah, just cool stuff. And just like more mature Star Wars. It's great. Um, yeah, and then I, I watched Christmas Story and um, Christmas Vacation at the drive-in. And like I said, I still haven't watched Christmas Story in its entirety. Like I came in late <laughs> at the drive-in, so. Did you not have cable growing up as a kid? Because if you didn't, or if you did, I don't know how you missed that movie because they used to do those marathons all the time. Yeah, there's one channel that plays it 24 hours a day. I think it's TBS. It is TBS. I don't yeah, know no. if they still do it because I don't have cable anymore. Oh, that, I think that's the only way they make their money now, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't really seek out Christmas movies to watch. It would always just, if it was on, it was on, you know, if someone else put it on. And like I said, I think you missed this part before the show, but I always either started it and then we went into something else or I came in at, like late on it. So like I did this time. So, but it, it's, it's like Zach said, it's episodic. Um, you know, it's just about, it, it really embodies just kind of like the feel of Christmas. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's based it. on the memoirs of the guy who narrates it. Yeah. yeah, like it just feels like it like just gives you that Christmassy feeling, but you know, it's not like the the stories are that compelling, you know. There there's a lot of like I think the humor from that film ultimately comes from the idea of like an upbringing in the thirties versus how we would view it in the eighties. And now if we watch it today, it seems like 10 times more abusive. than. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, it's, 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 it's a slice of life and you're, I'm definitely sitting there most of the time going like, Oh God, like the, the patriarchal attitudes, of some of these people like just, I will say there is, there is portion. There are portions of that movie that I do love because of childhood memory. Like when he, um, uses the decoder ring and it turns out it's just an ad for Ovaltine. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's funny as shit. Um, I remember being freaked out by uh, Scott Farkas as a kid and getting... He like, had yellow eyes. Honest to God, yellow, yellow eyes. eyes. <laughs> uh, and when uh, when Ralphie beats the shit out of him, I remember getting freaked out about that as a kid. That and the tongue on the pole. That also... Mm-hmm. was just unthinkable as a child. Um, but yeah. I always love how his brother gets like so bundled up that he can't even, he just falls over because <laughs> he's the, so top heavy. Yeah. It's yeah. There, there, again, there are fun memories of it, but as I mean, as Brad said, like it's not something you're going to actively seek out unless you grew up, grew up with it. Or the yeah. lamp. Lamp's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then Christmas vacation is just like the best, like, I think everything that goes on in that movie that like everyone has experienced at some point in their lives regarding Christmas. Um, I was trying to think, like, what would I do differently for this movie? And I, I, I couldn't. Like, I was like, oh, they, yeah. they, they put everything in there. I don't know where else you would go with it. It's, it's pretty much everything you'd want out of a vacation movie that's set at home. Like, yeah, it, so. it, hits, it hits the spirit very well. Only the odd, only the odd number of vacation movies are good. <laughs> the opposite of Star Trek. <laughs> nice. She passed away thirty years ago. The blessing. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the flag. The flag. Oh my gosh, I love that movie. <laughs> She's my favorite character in it. She's uh, just so weird. Yeah. I think my favorite part is just the squirrel in the tree. Like, <laughs> they can't find it. And he turns around and it's on his back all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. I, I, I love I love Cousin Eddie in that movie. Like, that's that's the only good Cousin Eddie performance to me. It's hard to watch, given, like... Yeah, oh, yeah. Randy Quaid's a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He is a wackadoo. Um, yeah. So that's why I watched Mandalorian's awesome. Check it out. If you haven't already. Ren. Okay, well, just jump off of what Brad just said. Yes, I watched the most recent episodes of The Mandalorian. Um, since y'all got on my ass last time for spoiling things, and that's not my fault, I'll just say I Wait, really, really, really... it is your really, fault. If you spoil no, things, it's your fault. No, it's not my fault that you're behind, and it's not my fault that you I listened mean, when I told you to cover your ears or, like, no, leave the room is, or it something. it is your fault. You don't, you don't have to say anything. Just mute the computer for, like, a minute, Ryan. Jeez. You don't have to say anything. You can just say, it's really great. Again, not my <laughs> fault that you're behind. Anyway, the How most recent How far behind are you, episode, Ryan? Uh, I'm just an episode behind. 
Oh. So and you I haven't know what seen happens in it chapter because it's 13. all over the fucking internet. But. Yeah. Okay, so why can't I talk about it? Because <laughs> he wants you to be better than the internet, Corinne. Well, too bad. He's trying to There's no spoiler you. I mean, embargo on this. The only thing that's on the internet is Rosario Dawson's character. I don't know the context of it, so that would still be a spoiler if you told me the context of why she's there. Well, I think it's pretty obvious why she's there. Yeah, that character's been around for, for years. <laughs> Yeah, like I'm a huge fan of the like Clone Wars series, so yep. seeing that character make an appearance, my little my little Star Wars fan heart just grew three sizes that day. <laughs> oh, I, I want I want you to do a critical essay on Star Wars called My Little Star Wars Fan Heart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's you with a space guitar. <laughs> There were a couple of things about the episode I didn't like, but just the fact that she made an appearance, that we got some really cute scenes, and I was just like, don't care. This is this episode is perfect. I don't need it anymore. Honestly, this could have been the series finale or season finale, and I would have been fine with it. But apparently we get three more episodes. So that's cool, I guess. So, yeah. The Mandalorian is amazing, and everybody should check it out. Zach. All right, fine. I'll watch The Mandalorian. Will you please let my dog go? <laughs> I, I, I just texted my sister for the Disney Plus info so I can get on my computer and start watching this. Boom. Do it. I know my mom and sister started, because so my younger sister's been watching it too, but my youngest sister and my mom haven't seen it yet. But I guess over Thanksgiving, they're like, all right, well, we're finally going to check what this is about. And I guess they watched the first episode together, but then my sister got distracted with other things, and my mom just went ahead and watched, like, three more episodes without her. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, this is too good. I can't wait for her. This is why why I can't watch TV shows with family members, because I'm just like, look, I'm not not going to play catch up. (laughs) I'm like... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It makes makes me selfish, but I'm not... I I won't back down from this one. (laughs) So I'll get the next thing out of the way. Um, we had the sort of season finale of The Blacklist. <laughs> so this is, as far as I understand. It's fucking Christ. <laughs> shut up, Ryan. The more you complain, the longer this is going to take. <laughs> so shut <laughs> it up, okay? <laughs> so this, as far as I understand, the episode that premiered last week was supposed to be the series or the season finale last year before all the COVID stuff happened and they had to shut down production early. So it was like, you kind of got the sense like, you know, there were big things going on and it was kind of wrapping all these things up. But on the other hand, it just kind of felt really weird. Cause I'm like, eh, right. We already knew this was going to happen. Like it's, I don't even care anymore. <laughs> Wait. So they went through a whole new season and then ended the new season with the unfinished episode from last season? Well, I mean, they just kind of had to... They basically just delayed it. So instead of these these most recent two episodes ending at the end of last season, they made them the beginning of this season because they were like, well, we still need this story to wrap up before we move on to whatever we had planned for season eight. That's what I'm imagining has happened and we're not going to get the next episode until january sometime so don't worry ryan you get a little bit of a breather but so they didn't start a new season they just no they did yeah this is season eight but 
it was kind of, like I said, it was supposed to be the series finale or the season finale last year for season seven. The episode that aired a couple weeks, like two weeks ago was supposed to be the season finale for episode or for season seven. So they went back in time to like re-explain what happened to like, no, no, they just, like I said, production got shut down, so they weren't able to film those episodes at the time. Yeah. So when production came back this fall, that's those are the two episodes they filmed. They just aired them, you know, in season so, eight. So then what was that animated thing they did at the beginning of the COVID and all that? That's oh, what we're so, talking about, right? No, no, this is not that episode. They just left that episode alone. Oh, so... Yeah. The episodes of this new season, like, Mm -hmm. that didn't get done, have just now got done. Right. Yeah. So so what ended up being the season finale last year, they had, like, half the footage shot already before everything shut down. So they were like, okay, so what should we do? Should we wait to, like, finish this episode whenever we can come back? Or should we just try to fill it in with this animation or something. So that's what they opted to do, but they still had like episode 21 and 22 to film after that. So obviously they didn't get any footage. So they had to wait until they came back this season to, to film those episodes. So this was Katarina Rostova conclusion. How many episodes were in this new season? Season eight. Yeah. I have no idea. We're only two episodes in. I don't know. It's so, so the season, so this this season's not over. No, season eight is not over. Okay. They just started, Brad. They just started season eight. No, at some point I thought you said that the uh, you know we were talking about the the season finale, so Ryan didn't have to worry about it after. Well, this. it's like the break. It's like the fall finale, basically. Oh. But it was supposed to be. You know how they always do like the conclusion is like the series or the season finale, you know? No, it makes way more sense now. I know that this isn't the season finale. It's the, the fall, fall, finale. Se- fall finale. Yeah. Right, right, right. I was like, yeah, we had like 21 be... episodes prior to this and like the, they went back to the uh, last season to finish it. Like, yeah, that's why I was confused. So anyway, it was really, really dumb as expected. Um, but, and Brad, I don't think you care about spoilers, so I'm just going to say that Red shot Katerina Rostova and killed her. Oh, that's not so, surprising at all. That's nope. That's what it happens nope. to everybody. Yep. <laughs> I know, right? And they try to made, make it out like, oh, is he going to kill her? Because they make this whole thing about, like, you know, Liz says, you know, if you kill my mom, then we're done. Like, I'm never going to speak to you. I'm never going to work with you again. And Katerina's like, you're not going to kill me because... You know, if I if you did, you know, Elizabeth would hate you. And so then right when Elizabeth is like running to like go save her mom and she's like 20 feet away, Red just shoots her mom and then he just leaves. And that's how the episode ended. (laughs) It's definitely something he would do. Yep. And they tried to make it like slow mo and all dramatic. And it was so stupid. I just, <laughs> which is re- so unfortunate because it's like this character, and I was honestly ex- like expecting her to stick around a lot longer than she did, but unfortunately that didn't happen. And they're just like, whatever, she served her purpose. 
She can die off now. Ryan, are you okay? <laughs> so what? <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Did, did Ryan's Dor still alive. Dory, Brad, it missed. <laughs> I guess so. Not, weird he's not, not a good shot, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> At close range. <laughs> He 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 wanted to live to see that Halloween sequel. I guess so. Yeah, that's right, Ryan. Don't, Ryan, don't, you've got a bright future ahead of you. Halloween kills, and then Halloween ends. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> so, like I said, oh my we'll God, have another, it's we'll over. Have an, we'll have another new episode until October, uh, until January. So you get a bit of a reprieve. Do you think it's kind of weird that they just came back for two episodes and now they're on another like month and a half long hiatus, but whatever. That's why I was so confused. I know. It's so stupid. Corinne, I'm trying to figure out which is more convoluted. Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life or The Blacklist? <laughs> I think as we've discussed, it's the Resident Evil series. Oh, that's right. Yes, that is the most convoluted, <laughs> even um, though I haven't seen anything past the first one. Yes. No, I'd say The Blacklist is still the most convoluted. Like, Corinne and I were messaging each other. I totally forgot she had a sister. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's got a half-sister floating around somewhere. Yeah, that was like I don't even remember what episodes. happened to that. Yeah. Actually, all, actually, it actually is reminding me of all my circuits from Futurama, where everybody's an uncle or a second cousin twice removed who's going to kill Calculon. Yeah, that's about what it feels like at this point. I want Calculon in the blacklist now. I'd watch it. So, uh, one more TV show for you. We got the most recent episode of Hanyo no Yasha Hime, the Inuyasha sequel. Um, it's, it's still pretty interesting. Like, I'm still sticking with it. Still haven't gotten a lot of answers, but I think the dynamics um, between the three main characters are really starting to kind of click. And the, like, the humor is pretty good, so I'm excited for the next episode. Um, and then, so two movies I'll talk about real fast. I rewatched The Great Race, which is um, family favorite. Grew up on it. If you've never seen it, it's from the 60s. And it stars Tony Curtis, Jack Lemmon, and Natalie Wood. And they are all members of, like, they're all um, daredevil kind of people back in, like, the early 1900s. And they want to do this race from New York across the United States to, you know, across the ocean and across Asia and Europe to Paris. Man, I hope mm -hmm. Natalie Wood doesn't take a boat. <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> she doesn't. She floats oh. on an iceberg. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. Uh, see, that's a Natalie Wood died joke. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, Ryan. We knew. <laughs> So I was talking with my dad while we were watching it and we we're getting into like the trivia and stuff. And we found out that Charlton Heston had actually been offered the role of the great Leslie, which is the role that Tony Curtis plays. And my dad and I were both just like, this isn't like, no, Charlton Heston, like he's great, but he would not have been good as the great Leslie. Like, that's just not kind of the role that he, probably he would have demanded to shoot. He probably would have demanded to shoot people with a gun in the middle of the race so <laughs> maybe um, yeah. but um, my dad mentioned like you know who would have been good that that uh Cary Grant guy he would have been good in it 
<laughs> and he actually didn't even say that Cary Grant guy. He said, you know, that guy from, uh, the, what's the one with like the submarine movie? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. So he looked it up and he's like, Cary Grant, that's who I was thinking of. So and I have about- to admit, he's right. Cary Grant would have been perfect as the great Leslie, except he was too old by that point. And he Cary was- Grant was never too old for anything. Grant, I'm pretty you, sure Cary Grant you still- said that he was retiring around that point. He was. Yeah, so he would have been. He only, old. he only retired because he wanted to raise his daughter. He didn't die because he's old. Oh yeah, no, he didn't retire because he was too undashing or older, elderly. He retired because he was fed up with everything and like. Yeah, and he wanted she- to spend time with his daughter, who he had. Nineteen sixty six, I think. Yeah, and also Fabergé eggs pay more than movies. <laughs> yeah, shitload more. Yeah, Brian, that- that's what we should do: get into Fabergé eggs. <laughs> Just because, like the like, there are a lot of stunts in the movie. There's a lot of like set pieces and everything. Like the role would have just been too demanding for him by that point in his life. So, like, if he had been like, you know, in his thirties or forties, he definitely could have done it. But he was like in his what sixties by that point. But you never lose your vaudeville training, Corinne. So I'm pretty sure he could have done whatever the role required with his. Yeah, say, I'm pretty feet. sure he ran for like ten minutes in charade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did forget that scene where Stanley Donan had him run track for 10 minutes. <laughs> Might be confusing him with Tom Cruise, Ryan. I know they get, you know, you have man crushes oh. on both of them, so oh, you, you mix know them what up it, in your head. You know what it would have been great if Cary Grant had lived into the 80s? Like like far into the eighties? No, like far into the eighties. Like up till nineteen eighty six. No, 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 the nineteen eighties is what I meant. Like get him in a movie as Tom Cruise's father. Yeah, I know, and I'm telling you, he lived till to 1986. So it would have perfect, except Craig T. Nelson and all the right moves. Cary Grant. Would, have been awesome. would, would Tom Cruise have been big enough to be in a movie at that point? Oh, 1986, I guess. Yeah, Color of Money and uh, Top Gun. So, yeah. mm-hmm. all right, cool. Never mind. Let's make this happen in our minds, Ryan. Anyway, The Great Race is awesome, and yeah. I highly recommend everybody check it out. Um, it's kind of long, but. I feel like it, it has a good pace to it and it keeps you engaged. So it's, it doesn't really feel as long as it is. It's a fun time. Mm-hmm. I think it's one that you've listed as one you wanted to talk about on the show. So uh, definitely. Long. I could talk yeah. about that movie all day. I love it. Okay. So um, I'll talk about this one holiday rom-com I watched on Netflix called The Holidate. Hey, so, uh, before you do that, fun mm-hmm. fact of Holiday. Um, the lady who wrote that script mm-hmm. uh, is the second person to die in Jason Takes Manhattan. Wait, really? So, yeah. So sometimes your career, she went from uh, an actress and she does, uh, she writes screenplays and directs movies now. So she, what, she has a nice career. What's her name? I forget her name. Something. Some lady. <laughs> yeah. The, the script actually isn't like... For the genre, I think the script is really strong, but it's just it falls oh. into a lot of the same tropes that you're used to seeing in like Christmas rom coms. So, eh. <laughs> it's it's okay. Um, it's better than most of the Christmas rom coms I've seen, but it's still like you know you have to know what you're getting into. Which, admittedly, it is rated R. <laughs> or TVMA or whatever. There's like the first thing that the uh, main character says on screen is 
fuck Christmas or like fuck the holidays or something like that. It's like, holy shit. Wait, how'd they get a hold of my daily conversations? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) I thought, oh, you know, this is going to be one of those like knockoff Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh, no. First thing out of the gate is the F-bomb. Okay. Well, I got to change my expectations. And then they, you know, either talk about or insinuate like sex acts and the guy's finger gets blown off at one point. There's just a lot that happens. Um, But I will say I appreciate the fact that it does kind of pivot around Christmas and Thanksgiving, you know, the Christmas season, but it does cover other holidays. So it doesn't feel like just a Christmas movie. Like you get a little bit more diversity of your holidays. The premise is that these two people are tired of their shitty situations and their love lives and they decide that they're gonna just have like a casual platonic um hangout like on the holidays that basically they get to hang out together no pressure no expectations and they you know of course fall in love and all this stuff but it's pretty fun (laughs) like i said (laughs) I, i thought that some of the some of the humor was pretty clever but like I said, you just have to know what you're getting into. But didn't we have this this area covered with no strings attached and um, friends with benefits? Like Are those Christmas movies? No, I guess the yeah, I guess the angle is it's a Christmas version of those movies. Yeah, pretty much. You know, and I thought people'd be more surprised of my rom com holiday knowledge I just dropped. I'm, I'm, I was I'm, surprised. Tiffany, I just didn't say anything. Tiffany Paulson, like I, I, I didn't realize she was in Jason Takes. I don't remember that, but dang. Uh, yeah, she's uh, uh, the girl on the boat like, at the beginning. Do you follow her on Twitter or something? How do you know that, Ryan? Well, no, um, he's just a Jason head. Yeah, that and so uh, I'm working on my top twenty releases of uh, this year. So I have a really, really big like uh, Friday the Thirteenth review that I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And so um, I do research and um, so I brought up the IMDB page of Jason takes Manhattan and um, I go through the actors and see what's going on. And yep. That's when I found out she's the writer on holiday. Oh, have you seen it? Uh, no. Okay. Are <laughs> you, know, you going Netflix to doesn't recommend those movies to me? <laughs> Well, maybe you and Laura watch it one night when Kellen's maybe, gone to bed. <laughs> maybe one day. So, anyway, to, that's cut, what I've been watching. Cut to tomorrow. Laura just goes, Ryan, let's have a holiday. <laughs> no! <laughs> you know what, Ryan? Maybe I need to Maybe I need to send her a message and be like, you know what you should watch, Laura? You guys should watch the holiday. It's super cute. You would like it. <laughs> oh, is man, devious. I picked up a shift that night. <laughs> Ren, why are you why are you devious towards Ryan's marriage? <laughs> and you know what else, Laura? You should you should check out the blacklist. I think Ryan would love that movie. It's about law enforcement and like it, hacking into the criminal mind. And James Spader, he was Ultron, remember? <laughs> uh, Zach, what'd you watch this week? All right, I'm gonna take it away from the blacklist and bring it over to Cary Grant for a minute, if you don't mind. Yes. Uh, uh, so um, I kind of talked a little bit about it last week, but I wanted to elaborate further. I rewatched um, a movie called Only Angels Have Wings, um, which is a uh, Howard Hawks film. I hadn't watched the Criterion before, and the transfer looked fucking incredible. 
Um, I was, uh, it, it's one of those ones that when Ryan was talking about it, I would be like, oh yeah, that movie is good. And then I just waited way too long to revisit it. But that movie is wonderful. The visual effects in that movie are astounding. And what was even more astounding was the, on that criterion, there's a special feature with Ben Burt and um, a special effects um, uh, guru. I don't remember his name. What they go through pretty much every shot that's a special effects shot in that movie and talk about how important it is for laying the groundwork of visual effects. And when you watch it, like they're pretty seamless, even to this day, like nothing really truly feels like it's a model. Like everything is working well in that picture. Like it is astounding. Um, and Cary Grant's obviously great in it as is Gene Arthur, my, my new um, uh, one true love. But um, the one that I was amazed walking away from was Sig Ruman, who um, Ryan, he, you know who he is. He plays the guy who runs their plane operation, but he's terrible with the money. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's in, in normal Hollywood, golden age Hollywood standards of Sig Ruman is a guy who's usually a stuffed shirt who kind of like bumbles and like, is like a, he, like upper crusty, like, you know, like snooty society guy, like it, the the most obvious uh, role he's ever played that you would know him from is at night at the opera. He plays the head of the opera company and Groucho gets into a bunch of tete-a-tetes with him. Um, but he's allowed to have like, I have never seen him do this in a movie before where he's like, he has actual like emotion and depth as a character. Like, so it's like so bizarre but then it's like, wow, Sig Ruman's making me cry in this movie. This is fantastic. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you haven't seen Only Angels Have Wings, um, it's very wonderful. And it talks about the importance of airmail, guys. you got to support airmail. Um, and then um, did the film club this week. They showed a double feature of Goodbye, Mr. Chips and The Philadelphia Story. Um, and Goodbye, Mr. Chips, still very amazing. I hadn't watched it in a while. And I actually forgot that his kid dies in the middle of it. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's Robert Donat. Like it, it's a, it's a movie that like, it's, it's very tough in the year 1939 to single out the greatest performance in a movie because you have in that same year, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, Jimmy Stewart. But if you watch goodbye, Mr. Chips and you don't cry, you're not a human being. Um, and I would question your ability to function in society because he's amazing in that film and the trials that he goes through in that film um, where it's basically he goes to work at this university and he, you see an, a whole entire life unfold in the span of two hours and it's still incredible. Um, and Robert Donat, who was in the 39 steps and um, uh, went, uh, went, went further and beyond in his career, but he didn't do that many films because he was perpetually ill most of his life. Uh, he ended up dying in the mid fifties, but like, so it, there's one of those things where I'm like, you know, Jimmy Stewart is wonderful in Mr. Smith goes to Washington, but I'm really glad that the Academy recognized Donat for that performance. Cause I don't know what other time they would have had to do it given his, what we now know is like in retrospect, it seems like the best choice. Um, but then we went over to the Philadelphia story, which is still a romp and a riot. 
And uh, I maintain, I don't know how Ryan feels about this, but I maintain that Jimmy Stewart run won that Oscar because of his drunk acting. Cause that's some of the funniest <laughs> drunk acting you will ever see in your life. Um, when he goes, when he barges in on uh, CK Dexter Haven's um, house and just starts shooting off that letter while drunk, it's some of the best. It's just, I've watched this film so many times before. Like I, I, I that scene is still incredible. And we were talking about it, like the fact that Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant weren't in other movies with each other baffles me. Like they should have been in other movies together. Like it's, it's, it's quite frustrating that they're not uh, like, and in talking about it with people, like the, one of the best ways you would have done that, get Alfred Hitchcock to direct them in both in a movie together. That would have been, like one of the greatest things ever. Like, I don't know what the movie would have been, but it would have been wonderful. Um, but if, but if you haven't seen the Philadelphia story, it, it, it's a wonderful delight of a film um, where the uh, ever, ever frustrating, but ever lovable Tracy Lord um, is, uh, is preparing for her wedding and also trying to hide, uh, keep a story, keep a story. She's no C Dexter Haven is trying to keep a story out of the newspaper about Tracy's father by allowing the reporters access to her wedding and uh, high society, as it were, unfolds into chaos. Um, and Ryan, do, do you remember the movie like all too well, like to point out each character? Uh, how do you mean? I'm sorry. Um, so you remember Tracy's little sister, Dinah, right? Yeah. Okay. She, when you, the, the, I, I've seen this film so many times, but this is the first time I've ever looked at it from this perspective. This whole movie is basically the machinations of an 11 year old child. Because when she says, I did it, my plan worked. I did it. (laughs) I'm like, Oh my God, she is the most devious child until Patty McCormick in the bad seed. Cause she lets chaos rain all over that place. Um, But yeah, that movie's, the movie's incredible. If you've never seen it, you've, it's it's a delight. It's kind of frustrating to watch people of rich upper class act this way for comedy, but Catherine Hepburn, Cary Grant, and Jimmy Stewart sell the shit out of it. So, yeah, I mean that's where it's, Catherine Hepburn came from, anyways. She came from a really wealthy family. Oh yeah, very much so. Like, and you know what's amazing about that film, besides the film itself, is actually how Hepburn had to work her ass off to get it made. Because she was yep. box off. Yeah, I always love the line in the aviator, but I'm box office poison. <laughs> like, uh, but she was not well received at a certain point in her career. And this was her big comeback. Um, and I can't remember. Did she specifically request Grant based off of Sylvia Scarlet, Ryan? Uh, she did. Um, and Grant would only do it. Uh, for $130,000, which he donated to the uh, war relief effort in England. His, all the money he made in that film, he donated. Yep. So the opposite of, uh, uh, of Joe Piscopoulos is what you're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, that, that was a load of fun. And then um, uh, on Thanksgiving, I worked. Um, and so I decided, you know what? I need to laugh this holiday season. So I rewatched The Coconuts and Animal Crackers and Monkey Business. So I did a Marx Brothers triple feature. Um, yeah, I, I, these are films that I want to, uh, that I could never tire of. Like uh, any of them in the Paramount set. Those are five practically perfect films for what they are. Like the Marx Brothers are one of those like rare exceptions with movies where, 
I don't have to think too hard about what's going on. I'm literally there to watch these these performers do something that they've honed for years on stage, on film. Um, I mean, Ryan, when you once you start cracking into the box set, like I want to start talking with you about some of the stuff that's pulled in Monkey Business because it's some amazing stuff. Um, and uh, I also rewatched Horse Feathers, which is my favorite of, uh, favorite of their films, even though it's the one that's missing the most footage um, and uh, has kind of the worst quality of the films apart from Coconuts because Horse Feathers, for whatever reason, is the one that got kicked around or something in the, in the late 50s and 60s because there's moments in that film where the film still looks like they had to stabilize the hell out of things. Like images are warped um and there's a scene in the movie where um groucho and thelma todd are uh in her uh uh in her boudoir um commiserating and you have chico and harpo running in and out of the place dropping ice out of windows or playing the piano but if you look at the editing you're it's obvious that stuff's missing because it's just been lost for decades like due to dare wear and tear degradation so um, but yeah, th- these are all just wonderful films. Uh, if you uh, listen to the commentaries on them, they're even more incredible. Uh, Bill Marks, who is Harpo's son, is on the commentary for Monkey Business, and it's wonderful listening to him talk about his father. Um, uh, and then the last thing I rewatched was Night of the Hunter, um, which, you know, I mean, Ryan and I have both talked about it on this show. It's it's a wonderful film. It's 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 ninety three minutes of nightmare fuel for like it's it's the it's I really the more I watch it, the more I'm like, man, Tim Burton like stole a lot of shit from Charles Lawton because that movie is basically a, a a a great early Tim Burton movie in the respect of like how much it has to do from the child's perspective, how much of the visual creepiness is instilled into the aesthetic. Um, like that riverboat scene after they get away from the, from, uh, from preacher is just, uh, is still astounding filmmaking. Um, and Mitchum is just, a, a, a God awful. Like he gives you nightmares to this day. And this movie is over 70 years old at this point. Um, so like it, or like 60, 70 years old, but it is just remarkable. I'll tell you the one thing that I hadn't watched in uh, watched in a while though um, since getting the release was Charles Lawton directs, which is that bonus disc on the Criterion. Um, I think if you are a filmmaker listening to this podcast for whatever reason, and you want to learn a lot about not just directing but also understanding what directing entails from multiple points of view, that is one of the most undoubtedly wonderful resources you can have at your disposal. It's two and a half hours of the outtakes where you hear Lawton directing his actors. And it is just remarkable. Um, And it also dispels a lot of those rumors about him being uh, annoyed with the children or having difficulty with the actors. Like he's, he's just as demanding, but loving as any director who's gotten positive reception from his actors. So, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a shame that Lawton got um, had that film get kicked around the way it did by uh, the studio. But anyway, that's all I watched this week. Um, yeah, I, I only watched three things, but I finally was able to finish my Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, quadrilogy. Um, 
with uh, The Road Chip, which is the fourth and final film of this incredible franchise. Wait, Ryan, um, you didn't see it opening weekend instead of that Star Wars movie? <laughs> I know. I know. I <laughs> know. Um, Ryan, okay, how I, many brain cells would you say you've lost while watching these movies? <laughs> like, just, no. just ballpark you guys, it for you guys me. Don't even know. So in this one, Dave is going to Miami, but he only has a plus one. But he has three uh, chipmunks at his house. Who's he going to take? Uh, his new girlfriend? And her son is a punk-ass teenager who's mean to the chipmunks. Wait, Can you wait, believe it? Wait. You can't be mean to the chipmunks. Alvin, Simon, and Theodore are American treasures. You can't be abusive to them. But then they team up because they think that Dave is going to propose to his girlfriend down there. And they don't want to be a family together. No. So then they create havoc. But guys, <laughs> I'm not going to spoil this for you. But they might work out their differences towards the end of the film. But that sounds ridiculous, Ryan. Why would they ever do that? <laughs> yeah, um, I doubt that that's going to happen. I'm pretty it, sure that they're all just going to go their own way and be miserable. How does, David, yep. how does David Cross fit into all this? So David Cross isn't in this one. <laughs> oh, he, he escaped? <laughs> yeah, Tony, Tony Hale is the uh, bad guy. Oh, um, come on. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, if it. I had to rank the uh, Chipmunk movies, guys, it's Alvin the Chipmunks is the best. Uh, the Squeakquel is the second best. Road Chip follows, and then Chipwrecked is probably the worst, but it does get the most laughs with David Cross because he plays this like uh, seagull on a cruise ship, and he doesn't wear anything else throughout the whole film except this seagull costume. So it's pretty funny, um, and he knows that it's stupid. So. You know, oh, oh, he yeah, delivers yeah. every line is super hammy, so it's kind of fun. You can't um, you, you you can't give shit to David Cross or Tony Hale because they need a paycheck. Like I'm not yeah. gonna, you know. <laughs> uh, it, it's funny. Kellen loves these movies, and they're what I mean. They're harmless family movies, but they're not that great. I liked but, the know. first one, and the second one was okay. Yeah, I but... mean they're okay. They're not great. They exist. Yeah, uh, I, I loved the cartoon when I was little. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I'd I don't know if I'd still like it. I'd have to uh, have to have to watch it. I don't know. Do you have the Do you have a DVD of it? Like, did they? Put no, it? I haven't seen them in thirty years, probably. Um, yeah. I mean, I could still sing the theme song, but you know, that's I mean, that's about it. I mean, no matter how much time goes on, they'll still want a hula hoop for Christmas. So that's, that's right. That uh, and the only two other things I watched is, you know. I worked 12 hour shifts all week. And so I would just, when I'd get home and wake up at like after only sleeping three or four hours, I just scroll through my streaming stuff and I would mark things that came out this year that I haven't seen. Um, so I watched Palm Springs, which is um, a lonely Island movie that Andy Samberg is in with um, the lady who plays the mother from how I met your mother. And uh, I weeks ago what? ryan and i never got to talk about it for some reason no uh jk simmons is also in it um basically it's like uh edge it's of like tomorrow groundhog day and groundhog oh. day where it's this really <laughs> weird um time loop that andy sandberg is trapped in at his girlfriend's friend's wedding and so he relives the wedding over and over again but by the time you get to 
um, where Andy Samberg is. He's already done it over like thousands of times. So uh, yeah, it's actually really funny and it's funny in a way that isn't that obvious. That's funny. Um, like, subtle, really... subtle, like subtle humor. I don't know if it's subtle, but it's, it's not as outlandish as the other Lonely Island stuff. Okay. Um, so like, not like pop star, never stop, never stopping. Yeah. Rambunctiousness. I mean, they have silliness where, uh, he's about to hook up with, um, the one lady and then JK Simmons shoots him in the ass with an arrow. And, <laughs> and that's how she goes into the cave because he crawls away while he's bleeding out to get back into the cave that can transport him back to the, it's real. There's lots of rules. Um, and she follows him in and she gets stuck too. And they work the whole time to get out of it, uh, while they fall in love. But then there's some darkness to what's happening as well. Did you like it, Corinne? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It yeah. has a certain charm to it. And I, I actually like the idea that you have multiple people stuck in the same loop together. Yeah. And I thought J.K. Simmons, like his, the existence of his character kind of made it unique for me because it's like he is stuck in the loop, but he doesn't have to be in the same location as them every time. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's really funny when uh, him and Andy Samberg meet at his home mm-hmm. and he talks about how he really loves the day, even though he won't see his kids get grow up. It's a really interesting story. But uh, I assume you, how I his think one it was kid like constantly cleans, uh, like waters the dog shit. Just <laughs> weird shit going on in the film. Did um, you see the post credit? Or I don't know if it was post credit. Maybe it was like mid credit or something, where he comes back to the wedding at the very end. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. I was like, I wondered about him. I was like, I hope that they don't just leave him in the loop. I know. I thought about that the whole time when they got out. I was like, oh, man, poor J.K. Simmons. <laughs> He's stuck. Um, uh, and then the other thing I watched was also on Hulu is uh, Run that has Sarah Paulson in it. And Oh, snap. I've been hearing about this. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good movie. It's Sarah Paulson plays a mom of a, of a lady who has a lot of – has a disability and has a lot of um, – uh, it's not just a little bit like asthma, I guess disease is asthma. She's uh, confined to a wheelchair. She gets skin rashes and she needs um, a lot of medication and she's about to go off to college. And there's, I really don't want to talk about the movie because there's a lot going on in it. And a lot of it goes into spoilers, but it's made by the guy who made searching. So it's uh, really well directed and uh, the pace is really great. It's, I think it's maybe only an hour and 25 minutes. It moves really fast. Um, and it, it's, it's a good movie. I think everyone should check it out. Sarah Paulson's really great in it. The young lady who plays her daughter is really, really great in it. Um, but yeah, it's just about a mom and her daughter uh, going through life while her daughter is handicapped, but a very smart and capable young woman. And yeah, that's all I'm going to say about it. Cause you really should just watch it because if I say any more then it gets spoiler ish. So um, yeah, just watch it. Sarah Paulson's great in it. Sweet. And that's what I watched this week. 
I mean, I did show my kid Predator, but that's cool too. <laughs> Wait, did, did, well, and when he was done with the movie, did he say, "Dad, you son of a bitch"? And he just no, gave him a uh, high five. So, so all week he's been my he's been calling himself my pet Predator because I've been playing Predator Hunting Grounds on PlayStation, and he thinks uh-huh. the creature is really cool. So he's been jumping all over our house on cabinets, on uh, tables. And using his claws to climb up stuff. So uh, he thought it was a really cool movie. <laughs> I'm like, man, this movie's kind of inappropriate, but meh. Um, so, Ryan, what you're saying is that we might get that little Pred movie and Kellen <laughs> would be pred. the Predator. <laughs> Kellen Frost as little Pred. Dad goes away on an intergalactic hunting trip. But he has one stowaway. If it doesn't eat its vegetables, we can kill it. Coming to theaters, twenty twenty two. And then there'll be Little Pred too, where Danny Glover has to fight the Little Predator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we streamed Jujitsu. I did because I didn't even know that was the movie until two hours ago. <laughs> Brad, should people stream jujitsu? Uh, speaking of the predator, uh, yeah. <laughs> if uh, if if you've always watched the Predator from 1987 and wished that it uh, had martial arts, less gore, and Nicolas Cage in it, then this is the movie for you. <laughs> I did not enjoy it. <laughs> I would rather watch the Predator. Uh, Zach, should people watch jujitsu? No, but I want to thank this movie uh, in, in the deepest possible way imaginable because it made me, it, it really made me realize that I need to start going back to these type of junky direct-to-streaming action flicks because some of them are films that are bad, but they are a good time. And this was a bad movie that was just not even worth my time. Uh, uh, apart from one of my features, which is Nicholas being whatever he's being in this movie. Um, I, but outside of from that, no, it's, it's pretty junky garbage. Um, I, 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 I will talk about it, but there's just, there's a lot of issues from production all the way down to uh, like, it just doesn't, it's not fun. Like if it were fun, I would probably be giving it a recommend for if it goes to Netflix, but I can't even do that. So now I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, definitely one of the worst movies of the year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I got mine on sale for $4. Um, I hate you. <laughs> I know, right? So key. And, um, Cartman. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just garbage because I don't – how do I say this? I don't know what it's trying to accomplish. And – when a movie is this over the top, you either have to embrace it or you're going to get lost in it. They, they, this movie takes itself way too seriously. Yeah. And I don't know if this, <laughs> I don't know if this or Scoob is the worst movie of the year or 365 days, but it's one of them. Here's the trailer for jujitsu. You know what? I don't understand. How the hell are you still alive? Must have made a pretty bad fall. 
comet you see in the sky right now passes over the Earth every six years and causes a portal. But when it's open, we get a visitor from a distant galaxy. The poet warrior in the sci-fi sense. The spaceman. And he comes here looking for a fight with you. The chosen jujitsu. If he doesn't get it, he stays and he kills everything. That is alien politics 5 through 15. Now you are all the chosen jujitsu fighters. But as long as you die bravely, no one else will have to. He's crazy, like me. There's no honor in killing crazy. I can fly too. Uh, Jiu-Jitsu is a story about some alien that comes through a comet every six years and he has to fight through martial arts, this temple of martial artists. I don't know. Do you even know what the fuck is going on in this movie? Ryan, you don't understand. The aliens are the ones who gave us jujitsu. But that's, and that's... also isn't I don't think they're using jujitsu. I thought jujitsu was a grappling martial art. Yeah. It, I... Yeah, yeah. And 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 Nicolas Cage even makes the joke about like, you know what's the most important thing about jujitsu? Leverage. <laughs> yeah, this uh But you're this... not doing <laughs> In in this world, jujitsu is just a technique a random all-encompassing technique that the aliens train humans to be able to do because they want to have like awesome opponents to fight against. And so the, that alien comes to earth and if you don't fight him uh, the best, he will, I guess, eradicate other people who aren't those people in that cult, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. He'll, he'll well, you the- like wake explain the movie better than the fucking movie did which is amazing because that's all the movie does is explain itself and then do some martial arts action yeah i get that but like it it's like they would walk and then they go oh and you have to fight a one by one but but why like it doesn't make any sense so the government or the army i love their patches too it said army Army. (laughs) and special intelligence army uh and and this is my biggest complaint about it is if you're going to make a movie like this you need to make it way over the top because it's just it's just not fun enough oh did you see uh crossbones give the alien the finger when he died that was fun not just one he gave him both fingers yeah before he gets before he gets like blown away and then all you hear is the slight sound design of frank gillow going like it's you know, Ryan talks about, like, the get him the gold and the Magnificent Seven. This is some shitty wildline slash ADR of Frank Grillo dying. <laughs> like, well, why even, why was the army in this movie? Like, is that just a random setup? Like, I feel like oh. this movie could have just 
it's because of the amnesia plot line, Brad. Is you that know, how he got thing, amnesia? Yeah, yeah you but know, why he, does that dude even have amnesia? He, it, it's because he fell into a river. That's what happened. He fell into a river. And when but, you hit a river, you get amnesia. <laughs> what makes it really stupid is the reason there is so much uh, exposition in this movie is so they can tell you why uh, he forgetting stuff so they can tell you the movie but they don't tell you everything in the movie and then it's you have to go through i don't know five more minutes of exposition and then some martial arts and then i don't know it it just wasn't fun enough i mean i thought the part where they had the gopro from the first person perspective was interesting but then i get really distracted because they would add cgi blood and like smoke everywhere Am I crazy, it, or did the cameraman die at one point? Like, did he actually get shot by friendly fire, and then the camera no picked idea. up and then moved to someone else? Yeah, that that. Are you talking about the moment where he gets he gets pummeled to the ground, and then you see another person get up in front of where the cameraman was flat on the ground, dead? I mean, I feel like there was a couple different parts, but there's this one part where I was watching, and the camera's following our hero, mm-hmm. um, and. <laughs> you know, he's following the same movements and then the camera just kind of falls to the side and stops, like doesn't move at all. And then, um, you know, the hero approaches the camera and then absorbs that perspective and then goes on. Like he had to pick up the camera for the the dead cameraman. Yeah. 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 I know what you're talking about. Yeah. No. Yeah. So you're not telling you that there is another person who's filming this. Yeah. (laughs) And he's just been killed. Like crossfire. Oh, it's the it's the best form of meta bread, don't you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And how Here, lame was the alien too? Oh, can, can we talk about his face for a second? Because his I know, face. I was gonna say that too. He looks like some old Asian guy. I, I I have a I have a great way to describe this imagery for the listeners. He has two different faces. It's either an old man smiling or an old man constipated on the toilet. It's one of the two. It can't be any other. He has no other expression. I have no idea what this face is. It kind of looks like the poster for brain scan, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, there's a weird composite for that. Just like It would have been cooler just to not have a face at all. But was yeah. that because the body is actually an avatar and he's never actually there? He's just fighting through this robot? Well, no, because he killed it at the end maybe i don't know he he stuck he stuck grenades it looks like it's got blue blood or whatever you know well, i guess he's uh, not so, dead because the one army guy was like see you in six years i was like didn't he just yeah. blow up <laughs> which but, is but, funny that uh the the uh, token black guy in it um was also in the road chip so oh, you, you, know. you you got a double dose of that but i i yeah every cliche character from the nineties that hasn't aged well is in this movie. Like it, it, and like also the, so the whole amnesia thing bothers me because like the, until we get to Nicholas cage and he starts explaining stuff in only the way he can, the majority of the movie is him trying to figure out who he is and what he's supposed to do. And it's the equivalent of all his friends trying to remind him of what he did when he was drunk. Like <laughs> they were just like, no, no, remember this was your plan. This was your plan. My, my plan. Yes. Your plan. Like, I, I don't know how much longer I could have stood it until Nicholas Cage showed up and started fighting the shit out of him and then <laughs> explaining it while smoking a joint. Like what was really funny is if you watched it, they'd only have Nick Cage in the close up shots 
but anytime it was fighting or there's a wide shot, it was totally not Nicolas Cage. Oh, okay. also, also the reveal after Nicolas Cage dies, there's a big reveal, guys. There's a big reveal. Nicolas Cage was our hero's father the entire time. And then it dissolves into black and white and shows not clearly not Nicolas Cage playing delightfully with jujitsu with this child. And then it comes back and he goes, he didn't want me to know. <laughs> yeah, the dude who's in the lead is freaking awful. He's uh, he's. Uh... He's in stuff like he's in that Kickboxer Vengeance thing or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, and it's directed by the same guy who did Kickboxer Vengeance. Yep. Yeah, it's it's just interesting that this uh, the thing that I found fascinating about it was that this movie is like it, it's not like it's poorly shot like in certain angles of it like they clearly have a some form of budget but like there's sound design missing in the first fight when they're in the in the military installation where There's... just some just the random army guys just come from the hallway and instead yeah. of shooting the dude they decide they're gonna you know do karate I yeah yeah well because men want to make sure they can also fight with their fists or something i don't know but the bottom line is is like they're hitting the ground in that uh that place where he's being held i don't hear any thud whatsoever from coming out of that coming out of the speakers in my television like i'm like what the heck like you couldn't add a thud remember when, in tony, there? Remember when tony just storms the compound and uh well before he storms the compound he walks up and the one guy can't like fumbles for his holster like yeah <laughs> for the longest time like isn't he a trained professional but they're not yep. expecting jujitsu, Brad. They're not <laughs> expecting jujitsu. Nobody expects the jujitsu inquisition or whatever. I did. Um, oh, and the comic book wraparound. The comic book wraparound. Like, that was the most useless shit I've well, ever seen. I think seen. it's a way to get around using special effects. <laughs> I guess so. But I, I had a thought in my head. I'm just like, is this how snobby people... Is this what they think comic book movies are? Because I could... I could understand it if this is on, the only thing they've ever seen out of a comic book movie. Because, like, it's like the Ang Lee Hulk movie where I'm like, I, it, that's cute, but you don't need it. <laughs> like, and, and it kind of this... disappears by the end. Like, they kind of stop using it, like, halfway through. Until the final one where it's the uh, the military guy who's drinking to celebrate. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, yeah, he had to be the most important image in the, in the movie. Like... <laughs> it feels like... Yeah, the director and the lead actor from Kickboxer, Kickboxer Vengeance were like, hey, let's just go away for the weekend and like shoot a bunch of cool karate. Um, and we'll just we'll, we'll we'll edit it into something. Yeah. Oh, and I've got Nicolas Cage on speed dial. He said he'd come over and party with us and bring over a few kegs. So why don't well, we just bring him along for the tra- for the ride? We can score like two million dollars in capital if you know we have a name attached to this movie. So who's free this weekend <laughs> yeah it's like okay let's see there's tony, tony jaw well he was going to come over anyway but now he'll definitely come well we, we uh, need Nick, we need international cred so we can sell it in yeah. asia okay yeah so juju shan uh tony jaw oh wait oh wait we need we need an mcu star one who isn't being properly utilized outside of the mcu oh frank grillo's on the line let's get him here um yeah like, oh, yeah, and let's get Rick Yoon, because why not drag him into this? Um, I, I I don't know what's going on here. Um, I looked in the distribution of this. Like, Paramount has its name attached to this. I want to know why and who and what. <laughs> like, what are, if they're doing international, 
I'm worried about Paramount's business model right now. <laughs> I but yeah, yeah, I don't know either. I, 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 I mean, like, I will say though, like, there are some fun, dumb moments with Nicolas Cage. Outside of that, yeah, no, Nicolas Cage is fine. I think he realizes what he's doing. He's just in oh. there to be seen chew- chewing, you know. Yeah, no, he he's he's embracing what he's been embracing the past four years. Like, it's interesting because I one of one of my favorite movies from this from this year has been The Color Out of Space, where he is doing that intentionally to add to the movie that he's doing. And then, this, nope, I got to put back on the silly hat and just you know go for broke, and he delivers as usual. Um, <laughs> just. I, it, I love the line. He was like, uh, get off my piano. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I want to take that out of context and make it my ringtone. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Don't see this movie guys, please. Yep. This budget was $25 million guys. What are we doing with money? <laughs> oh man. $25 million. That's a lot. <laughs> That's, that's an obnoxious Brad. We could have made our Black Friday video a billion times over with that. <laughs> wow, that is so much for that. Yeah, and what we get twenty five million dollars buys you a shitty portal with a shitty explosion after you stuff grenades in a c- shitty CGI alien. That's what it bought you. <laughs> I bet ten of it was just Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Probably. I mean, and you know what? He earned every penny. <laughs> Um, yeah. So next week, um, can we just watch the predator next week? (laughs) (laughs) I was actually thinking, well, I guess we did watch predator two earlier this year. (laughs) Um, I was thinking that, uh, that Mel Gibson Santa Claus movie where the kid hires a hitman to kill him is streaming. (laughs) Um, that free. sounds weird. That didn't look that didn't look like something I'd want to see, but yeah, I guess so. What what is, is it like an action? Is it a comedy? I have no idea. It's Mel Gibson, so it might be insane. <laughs> it's it's called Fat Man. Um, because I was talking to Brad this week, and one of the reasons we picked Jujitsu is it's a new movie from 2020, and it's only six dollars. Yeah, mm. we kind of felt like we could either go back to Nerdemic, but we also have a film explosion to do, and I think people need more movies for the list. Um, although I don't think those movies are going to make the list, <laughs> but you know, we should at least, you know, try to include as much 2020 stuff. So yeah, I mean, uh, that was at the landmark Greenwood Village right before we shut down again. So. Um, I, I know you guys will boo me immediately, but Manx coming to Netflix on the fourth. Boo! <laughs> I don't know what that is. It's no, David Fincher's new film. No, we should probably include that at some okay. point. Um, but beyond that, I mean, like, yeah, I guess if it's Fat Man, I mean, I'm trying to see if there's anything else. And I don't think I'm gonna. Like I mean, I know Wonder Woman. We're gonna do Wonder you Woman when it goes to HBO Max. <laughs> Actually, I'm kind of curious about the holiday now that I know there's a Friday the Thirteenth connection. <laughs> Man. I, I I did not know that, Ryan. Thank you for telling me that. <laughs> well, you know, every once in a while. Oh no, every, every day, every week. <laughs> 
It does we'll list Batman as an action comedy. So, Either whatever way, that means. <laughs> we are streaming it, whatever it's going to be. So, yeah. we'll figure it out. Cool. Well, yeah. thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Neighborless Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.